0: Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: The Drive Nation
0: podcast with Dan Prosser and Andrew Frankel.
1: Andrew, I've got a theory that I want to put to you in this episode of the podcast and that theory goes something like you probably don't ever need to spend more than £10,000 or so to get a tasty car. What do you reckon?
0: Oh, I, th- I think, yeah, I th- okay, yes. I think, <laughs> uh, I was just, w- w- what I'm battling with here is your. Is, is my definition of the word need. Because sure. you know, to me, need and tasty car don't necessarily sit in the same sentence at all. Uh, but no, you're, I, th- I think if what you're saying is that 10 grand is what you need, I, I think what 10 grand buys you, as I suspect we will be able to illustrate over the course of the next hour or so, is that the scope that 10 grand allows you to explore is so wide everything from you know huge saloons to tiny sports cars that it is unlikely that within that field you ain't going to find anything that floats your boat so you know yeah so, so from that point of view absolutely because I think that if you have the if the budget is much smaller than that particularly if it was five grand there would just be certain entire genres of car that would be off limits to you and clearly even at 10 grand, grand you know there aren't going to be any uh you know ferraris lamborghinis or aston martins on this list um but you know there is there there will be at least one of almost anything that you could want to go and buy that you could which you can go and buy today for 10 grand so um well that's what i think i suspect over the next hour i be made it look rather foolish but we will see
1: yeah we will see They're quite right and um as you've sort of alluded to we're you know we're being relatively sensible or at least we say um you can buy a tasty car any any tasty car that you want within reason okay so we're not looking for supercars we're not looking for you know new luxury cars obviously you can't pick those up for 10 grand but you've written a list of cars and i've added to it myself and just i won't tell you what they are now but just scrolling through the list we've got M cars, we've got a couple of V12s, we've got Japanese sports cars, we've got hot hatches, we've got coupes, there's a very, very high end luxury car in there. We've got some, <laughs> we've, <laughs> you, know, you know what that one is.
0: Exceptionally brave.
1: Yes. Uh, we've got, we've got some very cool Alfa Romeos. Um, yeah, some really cool Japanese stuff. There, there's some really intriguing tackle at about 10 grand. I think the other thing that we have to acknowledge is that some of these cars, they will cost much more than a sort of £10,000 car budget to keep going. So just because the yeah, car costs absolutely. ten grand, yeah, it doesn't mean you're going to run it for Ford Focus money, you know. I think that sort of has to be addressed up front. No, and- but but,
0: sorry, but I think the other thing to say, I think the other thing about um, the ten grand price point is it does remove a lot of cars that you might otherwise consider, not because necessarily... They're great to drive or whatever, but you know, maybe because they've just got a great badge on the bonnet. Um, and you know, I, I was struck by what you're talking about hot hatches and Japanese sports cars and this thing. And these are, you know, really honest cars that are built, but that are bought by enthusiasts for, you know, just because, you know, they're great to drive because no one's ever going to. Um, you know think you're some kind of superhero because you turn up outside the house in one it's you know these are cars for people like us I guess you know for people who just love to drive and really couldn't give two hoots about you know what they think it might say about them Um, and I quite like that I I find that refreshing and I think that actually coming in at 10 grand it just it just removes those options and sometimes you know there is some comfort in in, you know in, in that necessity so no I'm really looking forward to this
1: yeah, quite right, actually. you you're, you're, It's very sensible to point that out. This podcast is not about making you look um, very cool or like you've got a shed loan of money for £10,000. And actually, <laughs> just looking through the list, if that's what you're expecting, you're going to be disappointed because, well, we'll get into that. Um, okay, so I, I caveated this whole £10,000 £10, thing by saying that some of these cars are going to cost a substantial amount of money to keep on the road um and the, the first car on your list Andrew, i think is maybe the the prime example of that
0: but well, how do, do you think we ought to sort of have a bravery index do you think we ought to sort of oh, <laughs> associate a, a, a number between you know one which is where yeah you would be kind of all right you'd, pre, you'd be unlucky to get a big bill to 10 which is you kind of you know you've got to be kidding you know one light on the dashboard and and, and, and you and, and you throw it away
1: yeah i was going to say a star system but that's sort of inverse to what we want so maybe a i don't know a a warning light system or a, yeah. a skull and crossbones maybe
0: yeah a skull and crossbones that'll be okay
1: okay right so for, before you before you mention what the first car is how many skulls and crossbones are you awarding
0: i don't even know what this car is it's the thing is dan you've seen my list but i haven't seen yours which is which yeah. is really well, very very. okay this is my unf- okay, oh, okay so i'm not okay so how many skull and crossbones on this one yeah quite a few <laughs> quite a few I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna give it uh, I'm gonna give it probably yeah, eight straight nine skulls and a cross- crossbones for this one. Um Okay. Because we are talking about
1: The E sixty BMW M five. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> so you can you can pick these up for about ten K, can you?
0: Well, I found one certainly on Piston Heads, um, and, <laughs> and it had air an and, and, and also, and... You know, well, yeah, um, yeah, and, and the other thing I would say about our ten grand uh, price point is that it's, you know, it's it's a bit sort of notional insofar as you know, some of these cars might be advertised for eleven, but bearing in mind there will be others elsewhere which you may not have looked at and with a bit of, bit of haggling, we think that these are cars examples of which you will be able to find for that kind of money. Um, and if you buy a ten grand E sixty five litre v10 bmw m5 good luck to you i mean (laughs) we 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 know about these cars and and we know that their engines are not perhaps the most reliable things ever to be slotted under the bonnet of a car with a propeller on its nose but i mean you know while it lasts wow what what really what really actually the reason i stuck this in here was that i actually because um i'm not as up to speed with um that kind of generation of n car in terms of their current values as I should be so I just sort of went sort of surfing around um, piston heads uh, looking actually for e39s and you can't get them e39s you know the the earlier four liter uh, sorry 5 liter v8 cars um, which we all love um, they've kind of gone away now and you're going to be, you're going to be paying 15 plus for one of those. Um, and it tells you all you need to know about the E60, that the sort of later, more powerful V10 one is actually quite a lot cheaper.
1: Yeah, and a, a lot cheaper, perhaps because of the running costs, the reliability issues. Yeah, um, exactly. It, exactly. Lots of lots of people listening to this will be familiar with a photographer, um, probably through Twitter or Instagram, called Mark Riccioni. Um, who's got a, a small fleet of very very interesting cars? And until recently, he had an E60 M5 uh, touring. His was was um, because it went
0: up in flames. A uh, technically an E61. Well, quite right. Sorry, <laughs> you pedant.
1: Well, yes, uh, it, his. You may have missed the point. There, but his his car went up in flames. It was constantly on the back of a flatbed. Um, his car. I think it, it was. It had a warranty, um, and so every time it went wrong, which seemed Quite often, Um sitners would send around a, a flatbed and, and pick it up. Um, and it seemed to happen endlessly until one day, I actually don't know quite what happened to the car, but he posted some pictures of it. He did, he did tell me,
0: and I forgot, yeah, yeah it, it, it basically just self immolated, didn't it? And, um, and, and that was the end of that. Wow. So we're,
1: we're
0: <laughs> right, he was okay, remarkably so... phlegmatic about it. Well, I mean, anybody who, who knows Mark will know that he is a fantastically laid back bloke. But I mean, he was just sort of like, yeah, well, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? And, you know, move on.
1: <laughs> so we've got off to a really good start here, haven't we?
0: Yeah, I mean, really, yeah, really recommend you all go out and spend ten grand on the E60. Um, so yeah. I think
1: we've, I think we've mentioned this car before, perhaps in the M podcast that we did. But where do you rank the E60 or E61 in terms of all the different M5s over the years? Um, I mean, it's, Actually, it's interesting, uh,
0: not, not not that highly, if I'm honest with you. Um, a because obviously we now know that there are reliability issues, but even at the time, okay, it, it, it was you know, it was it was highly amusing i mean the engine was fabulous but it had no mid-range torque which in a big saloon is not what you want um the gearbox was really pretty unpleasant um and you know i just think an e39 is a far better car with that glorious um v8 and obviously you know if you've got two five liter engines one with eight cylinders and one with 10 you know you know uh, uh, one with 400 horsepower one with 500 horsepower the one with you know the the 400 horsepower v8 is going to be you know awash with mid-range torque by comparison and that's what you drive these cars on um uh, so i mean now okay to me i would put it behind um the e34 and the e30 probably even the uh, yeah the (laughs) current car um so i mean you know much better than the previous i i i lose interest in bmw numbers once they're they're no longer prefixed by any i'm afraid i just i just can't keep up with them all um but um yeah i mean a lovely idea in theory in practice um not without problems
1: i think that's fair okay well let's move on quickly otherwise this podcast is going to run for three hours um, if, I, I, we'll just work through your list which means that we go to another m car and we'll be brief on this because we have already declared the e46 m3 the best m car of all time um,
0: yeah well uh, well didn't you said didn't didn't you go m2 comp um i or, can't remember Or have i dreamt that
1: i think maybe you dreamt, I, I think we actually agreed on e46 okay, m3 enough. um all things considered and it, a few years ago these were looking Unbelievably good value, I think they were slipping down to sort of seven eight k. It looks to me now that prices have sort of hardened a little bit. You used to have your not your pick of cars at ten k but you you know you could be a bit choosy um, now it looks like it 's almost bottom of the barrel
0: yeah, not quite but but but, but getting there but I mean I still think um you know I think they're going to be kind of like um, uh, the sort of two or five gtis of 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 their era and of their genre i think these are cars which everybody knows how good those cars are everybody knows um that you know it's the best m3 certainly for the money that you can go out and and buy and the other thing is is that because there were quite a few of them um and because they're not that old you know you may take a bit of hunting because obviously a lot of them are being used and abused but you can still get good cars and i think you know, um, I, th- I think if you can get a decent car with a proven history and not crazy miles on the clock um, and, you know, please nobody come back and say, you know, Frankel, you said this, you know, back in 2020 and it's cost me that. But, <laughs> you know, I-, I think that, you know, they are strong. They are, you know, they're reliable um, in the main. And I think they look after you. I think that's you know... It- i mean the thing is you know, no one should buy any of these cars. frankly i don't think anybody should ever buy any car for the purpose of making money out of it and certainly not cars like this um these are cars to use and to enjoy but at the same time if you buy one thinking well you know i'm not going to lose my shirt uh, as long as i don't get a big bill and i think the chance of getting a big bill with a um an e46 are are lower than um certainly an e60 but also some other cars on this list um you know and you can have it and the reassurance that you know it's not going to depreciate and if anything it might even go up slightly and it's even possible that if you kept it for five ten years you know didn't do crazy miles in it that at the end of it you may have ended up effectively having had a, a free e46 because you know you'll get back what you spend on it over time
1: it's a compelling thought, isn't it? And of course, as we all know, the, the one to have is um, a, a baroque yellow cab with the SMG gearbox on 19s. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. mate. Yeah.
1: So you, you, you'd have a coupe on 18s oh, manual in a yeah. dark colour or silver or something?
0: Yeah, dark blue, dark grey, yeah, something like that. Lovely, really, really nice. Don't get me going. Um, you've never owned a Porsche 944, have you? I've owned a 968, it's yeah. quite close.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's only 24 numbers out but so um,
0: and, 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 and i crashed my father's 944 does that count uh yeah that does count i think that does uh, count. yeah so i was uh, we had a little drive where we where i grew up because we, we lived in the countryside and he had a 944 and i was 16 um and so we i used to drive it down the drive without him knowing as fast as i possibly could but there was a little kink in the drive which i always <laughs> tried to take flat how old are you uh, at, uh 16 Oh good, um, but I tried to. Well, maybe I was seventy. I might have been seventeen or eight. But anyway, I certainly wasn't allowed to drive it. Anyway, I tried to take this kink flat, which was fine, which I managed. But I didn't. I i, I didn't count on the the postman coming the other way in his Morris Marina van. Ah, um, uh-huh. yes. Um, the good news was there was no damage to the Porsche at all. There literally wasn't a mark on it. Um, and I think the postman was really, really understanding. I think he probably wanted a new Morris Marina van, um, and so I don't. But he he just said, "Don't worry about it," um, and so I got away with it. But anyway, um, <laughs> we're not here to talk about uh, Porsches that I've crashed. Uh, but you no, know, I had a 8 until quite recently. And I, I obviously, you know, because I'm so bloody old, I you know I was testing 944s in period when they came out, um, and they're just cracking cars. Um, uh, the one to get which you can't get for 10 grand is a three litre normally aspirated s2 they are the 944s better than the turbo slightly less powerful but much nicer engines but but even if you just get a standard 944 particularly if it's a series one car particularly if it's a 2.7 uh which just has more torque than the 2.5 they're just lovely things they're beautifully balanced uh i think they're great to look at i love the look of those cars. much better looking than the 968 um and um yeah, just proper driver's cars. And it's. And you know, I, just, I
1: suspect it's the sort of car that you can learn a lot about driving in, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. It is, because you know, they're not quick, they're not fast. I mean, you know, they probably, in their day, they were probably a bit quicker than a 1.9, GTI, but not much. Cross-country, I don't think there'd be a damn thing in it. But as you say, just, you know, lovely, you know, quite slow, but very mechanical manual gearbox, um, you know, gearbox at one end, engine at the other, proper balance, um lovely you know big talky two and a half liter 2.7 liter four-cylinder donkey um yeah not much not not to like about those and again you know you can get bills with them but i mean they're pretty good um so yeah love to have one of those
1: do they have lsds in them no
0: no no they didn't um uh, you know, don't forget I mean, a nice 968 club sport didn't have an lsd in it un- unless you got the crazy whatever the code number option is and then none Was of those cars mo30 but... or something exactly yeah so no none of them did but you know then again if you've got a gearbox shifting over your rear wheels you don't really need one because you know you just you, you've got the traction and uh, you know as we all know you know if you put an lsd in a car one of the things it does it makes it understeer so you know if you don't need it and you know with 160 horsepower i think they had and a transaxle um you know, the, the, the car had the grip, the car had the, had the traction it needed, and LSD wasn't required.
1: But would you have one of those, or for similar money, um, a 2.7 litre 987-era uh, Porsche Cayman?
0: As a recreation, um, I'd probably have the 944, but I completely understand why somebody else would want the, would want the Cayman. I completely, I, I, know I completely respect that. It's quite a difficult thing to, to decide. But I mean, a, you know, a 944, I guess because it's so much older, um to me as a much more sort of recreational pub type car these days even though that's not at all what they were designed for whereas if I think of um you know even a very early Cayman I think I basically I think of them as being modern cars um which should be and to me they're not quite I guess also because those early those early Caymans were so good they're not yet sufficiently distanced um from the here and now to have sort of acquired that you know, that quaint charm. Um, so, you know, if, if someone was looking, if somebody wanted a Porsche to use every day, then Cayman every day of the week, um, over, over any other Porsche, frankly, for the money, I think they are just, I mean, you know, you can get Boxsters um, for a lot less, even of the same sort of era, because the market, because there are more of them the market doesn't cherish them in the same way that they do um, that generation of Cayman these days um but uh yeah i just have a Cayman. they're gorgeous to
1: drive not fast with the 2.7 it's only got five speed box isn't it um but the gear shift gear shift is gorgeous wonderful steering lovely pedals you know the pedals perfectly match to the other controls it's 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 just a it's a honey it's a real pleasure to yeah. drive that car. yeah
0: not it's not too tied down on its springs you're so right about the steering um and you know i can i can remember you know, going on the launch of that and it just seemed to I mean, Glide suggests some element of sort of float or lack of control. I don't really mean that. But it was just so effortless. It was so easy to carry speed in. You just never had to slow down for anything. Um, yeah, I love those cars. When are we, we going to have one from your list? Because, I mean, I don't know, as I said earlier, I don't know what's on your list. And I'm intrigued.
1: Well, we'll, we'll, we'll jump onto my list momentarily. But first, okay. I, I, I just want to sit back and hear you make the case for car number five and car number seven.
0: Oh, uh, hang on. Because, uh, five, because it, yeah, yeah, well, because ooh, in brackets,
1: yeah, okay. in brackets, you put brave, and then yes. uh, then against number seven, even braver.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> well,
1: can, can uh, you construct a coherent case for these cars, or it, it, are, are they just both madness?
0: I think they're both madness, but that doesn't mean I can't construct a coherent case for them. Um, you know, just because, well, you know, just because, you know, and, and I, I'm one of these people. Just because you know, you choose to only, like, you have a 10 grand limit on these things, it doesn't mean that they're going to be your only recreational car. You know, I've got a few bits of unimportant rubbish in my shed. Um, and, you know, and there will be people, um, and I'm not one of these people, but then nevertheless may be people who can actually genuinely afford to run one of these things, um, and just thinks it's funny and likes the idea of having them around. And who knows, you know, they may be okay. So the cars we're talking about, so the first car we're talking about is... I found a Bentley Turbo, a 1986 Bentley Turbo, um, which had done a hundred and something thousand miles. And, Nothing. yet. Yeah. Nothing, well, actually, for, for, for those, for, for, for those engines, it really isn't. It's all the other stuff you've got to worry about. Um, you know, it's the sort of, I can't remember who did the, you know, the electronics on it, but it sure as hell wasn't Bosch. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, I, I love those cars. Again, I'm so bloody, I'm okay. So I came in right at the end of that era. They were sort of, you know, quite posh long wheelbase turbo RTs at the time I started. But, you know, to me, they are, you know, if you like Bentleys, and if you, in your mind's eye, if you sum up what you think a Bentley should be, you think of a sort of a you know, big barge groaning under the weight of its own, uh, you know, wood and leather and metal and everything else. And you, uh, and and if you like that sort of thing, and I know it's not much to drive, you know, round a corner or anything else, but if you just like being sort of swept along in the majesty and the occasion of it all. Um, I just really, really like those things, and i you know i, I don't really want to you know justify it any more than that, but obviously you need to be very realistic about the uh about the cost of it that said um you know I, I do know someone who's okay it's not a turbo orb um but it's, a, it's it's an Arnage, um, and he tools around in that. He uses it as a daily driver, leaves it on the street, and he claims it's really good. He claims he just doesn't have any, pro- any problems with it. So, you know, I think, it, like with all these things, there's so much luck on the draw about it, isn't there?
1: That, that was pretty convincing, I have to say. that, that You did make a good case for that thank you you, uh, you and also the, sold the image and the the sort of lifestyle quite well
0: well there you go that's what i'm here for <laughs> <laughs> the invoices in the post uh the second the, the, the second car is, is cut from a very similar cloth and that is a a v12 xjs now you can find any number of xjs's for less than 10 grand but they've all got that rather um gravelly 3.6 liter straight six motor in it which really you know didn't belong i would say probably didn't belong under, under the bonnet of any jaguar let alone um you know a two plus two jaguar coupe like the xjs but you can just about get a v12 um and yeah it'll be really really leggy uh and it'll probably be leaking oil and it may well be a bloody nightmare but the thing is i mean the only reason i stuck it on there actually is um uh, he doesn't have it anymore but um there's another mate of mine richard bremner who will be known to many people listening to listening to this uh who had a V12 XJS until quite recently, and it was to be fair a very nice V12 XJS, and it was certainly have cost an awful lot more than ten thousand pounds. But I, ju- I, just you know having not really thought about XJSs at all for you know how long it's been twenty five years or more since they've gone out of production. Uh, he turned up in it uh, at something we were doing, um, and it was just lovely. It was just lovely, um, and I think it's grown into its looks, um, particularly the pre facelift cars and that engine. Jeez uh it's such a it's such a top motor uh and you know i I just rejoice in the fact that you know even if it's not a particularly great idea i just love the fact that you can if you're stupid enough or brave enough that it is still possible to go and buy a v12 2 plus 2 jaguar coupe for you know the price of well i mean what new car can you buy for 10 grand you know what a skoda city go or something like that i just i just love the fact you can do it
1: We've forgotten to award skull and crossbones to um, the, the the last few cars that we've been talking about. So I think I think we need to put that right with the Bentley and the Jaguar. Oh, does it? It doesn't go beyond ten, does it? This
0: this system we've got. No, but I don't think it, I don't <laughs> think it needs to. I don't think it needs to. I would go. Yeah, they're both tens, aren't they? Because <laughs> they're both a bit, because they do come into the category where. You know something could happen, and that's kind of that's kind of the end of the car, isn't it? Um, or, or if you, you know, actually, with you know, with something like the Jaguar, what's going to happen is you are going to buy. You know, the, I, th- I think the greatest risk is clearly you could have some kind of terrible hydraulic problem or or, or something like that. But I think the greatest risk is you buy a car which has been superficially tarted up. And then, you know, come MOT time, you suddenly discover that, um, you know, something's been gnawing holes in its underside and uh, and the car is a sort of technical write-off. So, yeah, the, 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 they'll both be 10s. But, you know, okay, so let's look at, you know, the the E46 M3. I'd give, what, a two or a three for that? Yeah. 944, a five maybe? Yeah. Um, 987 Cayman? I mean, well, what do you think? Another two or a three
1: they they do score their balls don't they but that i think that's more the the bigger 3.4 liter engine um and it, there are certain things certain bits and pieces that you need to be aware of with the engines in those cars nonetheless so i, I think that's probably a three or a four yeah it, ju- it just it just needs a bit of research that car um but it shouldn't pull your pants down um right should i give you one of mine then oh please um okay your the last two that you've suggested were fairly uh sort of pie in the sky if you don't mind me saying so i'm just going to bring it back down to reality slightly although bmw m135is they're not quite at 10 grand i think they're at about 11 grand so i'm
0: Uh, i'm sort of
1: stretching our 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 budget a little bit but you know it, it won't be long before they are down at 10 grand maybe six months um
0: yeah it's interesting how, how, how you know I, I think if we're honest we could have populated this entire list with bmws couldn't we
1: yeah i think we could it's a very um, good point
0: but we've already done our M cars pod, pod podcast so i was quite conscious not to um to give into that but yeah you're right great car so i wanted to talk
1: about this because i ran one for six months uh, a couple of years ago and um over time it we modified it i did it with birds the the bmw sort of tuning and servicing company yeah i know yeah yeah, and so I had a, a 2012 car. It was a three-door in blue, a manual. Um, and they start out as nice cars, you know. They're...
0: And, you, and then you ruined it? Well, <laughs>
1: no. and We made it much better, I think, actually. Um, they, they do start out as nice cars. They've got that good sort of willing turbocharged inline-six engine. Um, but
0: it barely feels turbocharged. The thing about that engine, isn't it? It's a fantastically good installation. Yeah,
1: and it's just over 300 horsepower um it, it's a you know classic BMW it's a really lovely balanced thing um but I, I do think those cars need a little bit of tuning work just to bring the best out of them um and the the, the best upgrade that Birds offered on that car was the it's spring and damper kit and it's a a kit that they'd come up with themselves you know the settings are all their own it has eye-back springs and Bilstein dampers um with all the valving and the dampers <clears throat> tuned to their own specifications um and those uprated springs and dampers they just without totally ruining the ride or actually ruining the ride at all they just clamp the body down a little bit more so it's not quite so floaty over a sort of three-dimensional road um sure. just a little bit more control and precision um and it it really makes a huge difference we also i think we might have tickled the brakes a little bit um and maybe there was some geometry work i can't remember but we
0: they don't have diffs in them they don't, they don't have lsds in them do they well
1: exactly we put a quaff lsd in it
0: oh, um, there you go. which
1: which made a huge difference really made it a proper blast to drive actually you could you could skid around in it really yeah. ha- really happily it was it was great and then we of course we couldn't resist remapping it it had it had well i think maybe 420 horsepower or something maybe 410 um and, it, you know, at the end, it was a And they, and they proper... weren't
0: worried about melting the gearbox with the level of torque that went with it.
1: They certainly didn't mention it to me, and they, I had no issues in the time I had it.
0: Sorry, I, I was just going to say, well, this is what happens when people think, oh, I'll, I could really do with a set of springs and dampers on their car. And so what happens is they get a set of springs and dampers on their car, um, and that makes the handling really, really good. But then you, 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 you think to yourself, oh, God, if, if only we, you know, we could give it the traction to go with its you know, lateral grip. I give it that longitudinal, grip. so you put a slipper in the thing, and then, you know, the car's got amazing traction, and the thing goes around corners really fast, but of course it now doesn't feel very powerful, so you basically just end up sort of chasing yourself around the car, don't you, Yeah. Um, until you end up with what sounds to me like a complete nutter, I wish I'd driven it, it sounds like a fabulous thing.
1: They've still got it, and it's, it's a very interesting car, but, you know, we have to acknowledge that all those upgrades, are probably, I don't know, £5,000 or something, maybe four grand. Um, so we've blown the budget by half but um, you know you could you could I reckon a few months from now maybe next year sometime pick up an M135i for a tenner and then over time upgrade it with a few bits and pieces and by the end of it you've got a really fun very usable comfortable fast car we we drag raced it against a E92 M3 a coupe Um, and over a half mile distance there was hardly anything in it maybe a couple of car lengths so it's you know a really, yeah, for the, and, really quick and, thing and
0: for the money and then if, and also if you think that cost you five grand and how easily it would be to how easy it would be to drop five grand into the maintenance of almost anything else we've spoken about today yeah. um yeah yeah no i i hear what you say
1: a, a relatively sensible proposition there how about my another one for me um honda integra type r dc2 90s one
0: teg type r oh, yeah why didn't i put that on my list you're absolutely right
1: <laughs> I think 10, uh, ten grand will buy you a decent one. I think they're about seven or eight.
0: And, and this is the, this is the ultimate sort of anti-snob car, isn't it?
1: It really um, is, yeah. yeah. Because
0: nobody even knows what it is when they see it, let alone you know, you know, you know. It's the it's the car where the badge really, really couldn't matter less. Um, but anybody who do have, does understand who sees that, it's just a sort of proper person passing, don't they? Because you know, only someone who really got it, who really understood. Um, you know the legend of um, the Integra Type R um, would would recognise that car for what it was, which is of course you know one of the most involving, entertaining front wheel drive cars of any kind that's ever been built.
1: Mm. Yeah, that amazing 1.8 liter inline four, the normally aspirated engine that revs to well, it sort of lights up at somewhere like, what, around six thousand, and then it just keeps About going beyond and a half. Yeah, yeah, and then it keeps going beyond eight.
0: And it does that because it has a completely different set of cans. Yeah. um that become activated literally the cams just sort of slide down the shaft um and so it's not you know it's it's literally a switch isn't it yeah it just goes bah, 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 bah. and it's fantastic <laughs> yeah,
1: you're absolutely it is, right it's brilliant and it, it so yeah so that power not a great deal of power but it, the, the, the delivery is incredible it goes of course to the front wheels as you said via really lovely tight mechanical locking diff um with wonderful steering, uh, a properly sort of seminal gear shift, um, great seats. They're a pain in the ass on a long journey. Um, oh, because, the,
0: because of the noise.
1: Yeah, just not what they're built yeah. for at all.
0: Yeah, they're really short gear, but also you know they've got you know they've got double wishbones. I mean, like like you know like the Civics um, thing. Yeah, you know, they've got double wishbone suspension at each corner. I mean, you know how, how many hot hatchbacks have double wishbone suspension at all four corners? But um, yeah. you know they did. It was you know in engineering terms. It was as pure and as proper um, as, as you could ever possibly imagine. Um, and, you know, because nobody understands these cars or even knows what they are, they're just really cheap.
1: Um, we're on a little bit of a Japanese sort of kick here, so I just want to give you one more. Um, Toyota GT86. Again, like the M135i, they're not quite there, but they're very, very close. Um, and that is a, a sort of much more modern car that... You could happily use every day and i think have some fun
0: in what do you reckon well, you did, well have some fun i've never <laughs> done a journey in a gt86 without oversteering <laughs> now it has to be said once go. it occurred to me very early on in my gt86 driving career that i hadn't yet done a journey without oversteering all subsequent journeys i have ensured that i oversteered because i don't want to break the record <laughs> but uh, i had done quite a few journeys um, before it even occurred to me that that was that was what i and Oh, you could have fun in a gt86 they're just brilliant things they are i mean you know back in the day when they were new it won autocars best handling or they call it britain's best driver's car didn't they uh where were i think we we're at rockingham i uh, know we weren't we were at bedford um and it you know and they were all sort of you know the usual suspects you know porsche ferraris lamborghinis and this this toyota turned up on prius tires and dusted the lot of them Um, for all the things that, you know, we like about cars. Not because it was quick, because it wasn't, not because it had lots of grip, because it didn't, but because it was just so damn good to drive. And ultimately, you don't need to justify in any other terms, do you? No. Um, Somebody said to me the other day that you only know how fast you're going around a track when somebody, you know, hands you a stopwatch. But, you know, you know how a car feels and how much fun it is to drive every time you turn the steering wheel. Um, And that's what the gt86 does um uh yeah just uh, and, and also you know pretty bulletproof i would think um you know built by subaru um you know very very little to worry about there so i mean i think in skull and crossbones terms, that's a sort of one or a two isn't it yeah
1: yeah we need to award the same to the Integra. I, I actually don't know enough i suspect they take a bit more maintenance because they're such exotic things i suspect
0: they rot as well well. but if anybody out there knows differently and is now um, shouting at their radio or however they're listening to this then my my apologies but my guess is that you know whatever it is 20 odd year old hondas like that i suspect they're not that uh rot resistant anymore but maybe they are um and i think you know and i think engines and gearboxes and that sort of thing will be fine because they were just so well built from the get-go so yeah not bad
1: um okay so uh, well let's call it a four then because we're not entirely sure. Someone will set us, set us straight. Um, okay, let me give you one more of mine before we leap back to yours. Uh, right, I need to choose one here. Um, okay, let's go with... Uh, again, I'm sort of stretching the budget slightly, but you can just about get a B7 Audi RS4, the first V8 one. Do you fancy one of those?
0: Not really. Interesting. You don't like no. them? No, I do. I do. Uh, I'm surprised you can get them for that money. Um,
1: just. Yeah. I, I write I rate just with five U's.
0: <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, do you know what? Um, no, I take that back. A mate of mine had one um, until very recently, and he did. I think he did two hundred and thirty thousand miles in his. Wow. Um, and he reck. I think he reckoned he'd done a clutch in it, and that was about it. Um, Crikey! Magnificent engine great looking car i mean as we all know audis have always been you know those sorts of audis they, they, they've always been terrific in a straight line and 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 not been you know anything like as proficient when it comes to the tricky business of going around a corner but um yeah yeah i mean <laughs> it's not on my list because i didn't think of it because i just don't sort of think of those sorts of cars in these sorts of terms but actually having because you weren't good enough to show me your list just thought about it right now <laughs> and being surprised that you can get one for that kind of money then yeah i think it just about no it does stack up
1: um okay well based on what your mate has said maybe it's a, a three or four i mean it's it's a it's a big powerful v8 engine uh it's a pre- it's going to cost a few quid to keep it going on. thought uh, one other thing that i will say is that um i've only driven the audi heritage fleet car uh, which is inevitably in very very good condition and an rs4 at 10 grand it could be pretty baggy
0: yeah, and I think a lot of these things, I think the problem with when I was for 10 grand is, is it's just going to have question marks all over it, isn't it? And the thing about my mate's car was, you know, he did 230,000 miles. Well, it had done that, but I mean, I think he probably did, you know, 90 plus percent of those miles. Um, so, you know, he knew where it had been. It had always been serviced properly, you know, he would have just looked after it properly. And if you just sort of take a giant leap and buy a car for 10 grand from, you know, Fred somewhere... Um, you know, there's, there are certain things you can do, can't you? You can check it's got a service history, but you know, if it's got you know a full Audi service history, it's probably not going to cost ten grand. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I think it's I think it's quite a punt, but you okay, know, why mm. not?
1: Okay, well, let's go back to your list, and can you make the case for number six, please, Andrew? Huh?
0: <clears throat> if I could remember what number six is, I certainly could. Yeah. Okay. So 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 so, so, so we're back in um in honda territory here um s2000 i mean i make the case for that very easily i mean okay they weren't you know this is where you get a big difference between looking at a car when it's new and 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 revisiting it again as some kind of classic and i remember this uh, particularly with the bmw z8 which i think we were all quite disappointed with when it was new Uh, and then i drove one a couple of years ago and I just thought this thing's absolutely lovely. Okay, it's not a sports car, but it's a thing to sort of bimble about the countryside. Lovely interior, incredibly um, powerful, mellifluous V8. Wonderful. Uh, and, and, and the Honda S2000 is another one of those cars cars which would probably never have won a group test against a Boxster in its day. But now, if you think about, you know, the components, again, double wishbone suspension, that's extraordinary engine, 2-litre, 4-cylinder engine, 237 horsepower, 9,000 revs. 9,000, 9,000 revs. <coughs> and yes, okay, you need to be doing, you know, you need to be two-thirds, you know, through that rev band before it started delivering proper power. Uh, but, you know, two-seat open convertible car which will perform like that for that kind of money, I mean, pfft. They're not um, actually, you know, in terms of handling. I think an Integra Type R is, a, is probably a much more rewarding car um, to drive. But you know, for the power and for the fact that it's an open convertible, and it is still pretty decent to drive. I think it's, I think it's a great call for that kind of money. I really do.
1: I've driven a few, um, and I, I never got on with the seating position. I think the driver's seat and perhaps the passenger seat as well was always set just a bit too high, and that that always bothered me. Um, they had a reputation Andrew were they spiky did you ever put one
0: backwards through a hedge if I have, I've blanked it. I am <laughs> mindful of the then. fact that... You asked me this question about something else once before. You said, have you ever crashed you, you once asked me if I said, ever said, I, I've, had I ever crashed a 911? I absolutely point blank said, no, I never have. And then about two minutes later, I realised yeah. that actually <laughs> I had yeah, done, done a bit of damage to a GT2 RS and I just kind of mentally blanked it. But no, I really don't think that I have. Uh, I wouldn't have said they were spiky. Um, and I drove them in the wet and in the dry... Um, you couldn't play with them in the way that you could, you know, muck about with, you know, Boxsters and, um, you know, uh, other cars like that. But, you no, know, no. I mean, I think the thing was, it was it was kind of a car that was better driven within its limit anyway. It's not the sort of car that, that you'd necessarily want to go sort of prodding, prodding around um, on and over the limit. But, no, I, you know, spiky. when I think of the car, spiky's not a word that comes to mind, but maybe I was just lucky. Or an incredible driver, one of the two. It's one of the two. (laughs)
1: Um, Okay, well, let's move on because I want to hear you argue the case for a 2006 Mercedes-Benz S600. uh, because It's got a six-litre twin-turbo V12, more than 500 horsepower. I just love these 10, 15, 20-year-old luxury cars that have depreciated so heavily that they become unbelievably tempting. Um, Even so, I'm surprised that One of these cars is available for ten grand or so.
0: Yeah. Well, I I think you made the case for 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 (laughs) me. I mean, you you said, I mean, there's there's no rocket science here. There's no sort of hidden secret about this. It's just it's just an enormous amount of incredibly powerful V12 mercedes barge for you know, three-fifths of sod all money i mean you know just it, it's it's no more than that and again obviously you know because we got yes we've got two v12s we? and it's it, it, it's up there and so it's not quite bentley jaguar territory in terms of just how scared you should be before taking on something like this um but i, I get i just love the idea that you can that you can get you know this a v12 twin turbo mercedes for, <laughs> it's just funny for the same price as a smart it's just it's, it's just funny and Uh, I I think it's the sort of thing that if I were a very rich man uh, and I would just kind of smoke around in one of those because I wouldn't want something modern and ostentatious and plutocratic. I would just want something silly like that, which I could, which would be ostentatious and everything else. But everybody would know that it would cost me nothing at all to buy. Um, And I, I would just find that more amusing and actually, in terms of ride and refinement and everything else, unless there was something wrong with it, it would still be really, really good. It would still be a really, really nice place to to hang out. Um, and that engine, is, as you will know, is... I mean, it's a pretty ancient engine these days, but my goodness, it gets the job done, doesn't it? Mm,
1: God. Yeah, okay. Oh, well, I reckon that's probably a seven or eight skull and crossbones. Yeah, no, easy. It's, yeah, it's, it's not quite up there with the, the Bentley um, no, and the
0: XJ. It, but... No, but it's knocking on the door, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Okay, um, right. I'm going to jump. I'm going to make the case actually for one of the cars on your list, um, number twelve, which is the Mark V Golf GTI. And I have to mention it because I I just think it's a fantastic car. Um, ten grand probably buys you a very very decent one, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I was aware uh, of the fact that you know this list should have a few cars in it which are actually sensible buys, for 10 grand, <laughs> not 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 just technical buys for ten grand. Yeah. Okay. Well. I think probably half the money
1: would get you, a, you know, a very sort of serviceable one. Ten grand is, you know, you'll have your pick of them. But this was a this was the car that sort of returned the Golf GTI nameplate to to where it needed to be, really. Um, and it was fun to drive. It had a fantastic seating position and the, the seats were brilliant. Um, good, good engine, not sort of overly powerful. It's just over well, it's around 200 horsepower, isn't it? Um, yeah
0: but 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 strong i mean yeah. yeah the car wasn't that heavy um and i always felt they felt to me uh, and i drove one not long ago and i can remember both then and when they were new they just felt more powerful than that it, it felt to me like they were almost understating it they always felt to me like they had a great deal to get up and go
1: mm. i what i love about that car is its breadth of ability um you know it's it, it's actually really refined and comfortable to use every day Um, it looks good it's practical but it's it's genuinely good fun to drive as well um i think i've always lusted after one actually um and i I always said that i'd have one but it it just hasn't quite panned out that way sadly but yeah i think that's such a strong candidate even though you don't have to spend anything like 10 grand to get a good one
0: but it's interesting isn't it that you know so many cars on this list are uh, for for, for either through the the, running costs or for their configuration are you know quite slightly impractical very definitely obviously recreational cars i think the what's different about this golf is it's quite the reverse isn't it if you're not using it every day if you're not doing big miles in it then you know i wouldn't recommend that you that that you go and buy one it's not a you know it's not a pride and joy to keep in the shed it's it's a car just to sort of leave outside um and use and abuse and get the absolute most out of all, all the time because that's that's what it does best isn't it it's that breadth of ability you were talking about um and if you're doing anything else with it you're probably not um you know enjoying it to the full yeah exactly right and it's interesting you make that point because i think there are certain renault
1: sports that you could put in a in, in the garage um and only use from time to time and get a real kick out of them um, yeah but yeah the golf the golf isn't one of those cars um okay tvr camera uh, i I remember being, I don't know, 12 years old or something and seeing them. And I I adored TVRs at that time. Um, And I thought this was just the coolest thing. Um, Never driven one. Never sat in one. Are they good?
0: Uh, Yes. Uh, Well, I'd say a qualified, yes. No, okay. They are good. For 10 grand, it would be amazing. Um, Let me... Well, okay. So the Chimera is, is the most... It's not the best TVR of, of of that era. That was the Griffith, but they are the most underrated um, because they were the sort of practical, sensible, long-distance one. And you know, in, in all genres of cars, isn't it? Those are the cars relative to the raughty, snorty ones that get um, you know left in the, in the in the shadows somewhat. But actually, you know, if you compare a four-liter Camaro to a four-liter Griffith, there's not an awful lot in it, both in terms of how fast they are or how much fun they are. Um, but the Camera is spacious and it's comfortable. I think if you drove one, I think you'd be surprised by how old it felt. Um, they do have a very vintage feel. I mean, to me, um, they're more sort of more closely related to the sort of British sports cars of the seventies than they are to modern day machinery. But you know, in that sort of certain sort of incompetence, there is there is certainly a charm. But the reason I stuck it on there is that I, 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 I have a theory about TVRs. I mean, we all know that, you know, TVRs... You know, if you think TVR, the next thing you think of is cars parked at the side of the road with pissed-off bloke on his mobile um, ringing the AA. But actually, my theory is that although TVRs were not well-built... Now, so much time has elapsed since they were built that everything that was going to fall off and will have fallen off by now, and hopefully been put back by someone who knew what they were doing, i.e., not TVR. And I think that a modern a, a TVR today that has been properly looked after will have gone because the actual basics of it, you know, if you look at the structure, you look at the Borg Warner gearbox, you look at those old Rover V8 engines, I mean, that's all strong stuff. It was just all the bits that TVR did which weren't right. And they will have long since gone wrong and been and, and been corrected, or at least that's my theory. Um, so you know, I think they're quite sort of sort of sleeper classics. Those cars, um, and as long as you don't get in there and expect it to you know to drive like a a modern car, then you know, I, as a pure recreation, um, you know, they're not you know they're not like Caterhams. They're not amazing things to you know balance on the you know on the on, on right on the edge and feel incredible response on they're just you know good old-fashioned british bruisers with a woofling va up front and you know for you know taking on a 50 mi- 50 mile journey to the pub just lovely for that mm.
1: yeah i i totally get the appeal of them actually without ever having driven one you know i, I really do understand it um what but do we need to be slightly cautious and award it a f- five and crossbones or six
0: yeah, maybe. I mean, so the only other thing I'd say about those, those cars is they also, and another reason I like them is I, mean, I, I, I really, really like cars that are usable. Um, and you know, they had, you know, they had hard tops. Um, you know, they didn't have, which were actually quite easy to um, to put up. And then once once they were up, the cars were quite you know, reasonably well refined. And there was, they had huge boots, and there were places you could put the hard top, so that you know, they don't. It's not like um, you know, like buying a catering where you know you pay a price in practicality for the experience you're going to get. Okay, the TVR experience isn't anything like as rewarding as the catering one, but you can just do more stuff with it. Um, so yeah, so uh, skull and crossbones, yeah, five, it's a, it's a five, isn't it? It's a five straight six, isn't it? Because you know, we are nevertheless still talking about quite an old car which was quite inexactly built. Um, and yeah but but you know when they were new you'd be putting you know you'd have been putting an 8 or 9 against it you know that's when it was new i was we <laughs> not doing that now
1: um okay well let's rattle off a few um rapid fire style uh and we'll we'll, we'll just whip straight through them um nissan 370z
0: yeah great car great car i mean again and an, an, you know an absolutely you know forget the image um but for the money. You know, I think they're good-looking, lovely. Three point seven, strong V six engine, lovely gearbox, uh, proper balance, two seater, um, traditional, hairy chested sports car. Love it.
1: At ten grand, I mean, you, you more or less have your pick of MX fives, don't you? There'd be tons. Yeah, out ten,
0: there. Ten, ten grand's far too much money to spend on an MX five. Um, I mean, I, I, and I kind of went went about this thinking ten grand or less. Um, you could you could, you, you could pick up a nice MX 5 a perfectly serviceable MX five for you know, a quarter of that money. Um, so, yeah, I, do, I don't want to dwell on the MX-5 because I think everybody knows what great cars they are. But, I mean, I would get a Mark I, frankly. I would get the best Mark I that your money can provide because I think that they are the nicest of them. I think they're the nicest to look at and I think they're the nicest to drive. Um, <clears throat> and I think that they have a certain sort of original uh, authenticity about them, which later cars don't.
1: I did a, an auto solo in a very, very cheap um, Mark I, uh, I think the guy had only spent 800 quid on it or something um, and also Solos where you skid about around some cones on a disused airfield or something and it was huge fun it was fantastic um, okay let's keep going D- did you ever get a- along with the Alfa Romeo Brera
0: the V6 one
1: no no <laughs> okay you-, you could have no. one for six grand but you shouldn't
0: <laughs> yeah uh, well, well yes unless you're considering a Brera Spider, which says you should definitely get the coupe um, no I mean just I mean to me a it... <sighs> a a car which just is all i don't want an alpha to be because although it looks amazing and it's got that fabulous engine in it it's kind of like you know getting some really lovely ingredients for a meal together cooking it and it's still tasting rubbish and you know you'd almost rather have had beans on toast because it would have been a lot less effort and would have tasted nicer so um you know i love that engine but no it just because the chassis just wasn't right on it and it was heavy and ponderous and blah no sorry
1: okay what about one of its predecessors the gtv
0: yeah better definitely better very pretty Um, very pretty car um twin sparkle v6 Probably a twin spark, just better balanced. They also, you know, they had, uh, they, they they were on the same platform as the uh, as the Fiat Coupe, but they had, you know, they 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 had different rear suspension, and and, and Alpha tried quite hard with those GTVs. I suspect that you would probably be running into bodywork issues with those these days. But if you can find a nice one, um cool looking car, um yeah, I mean, not a great to drive, um, you know, compared to you know, a, whatever Porsche it would have been up against at the time, you know, 944, 968, whatever. Um, no, not in that league, but, you know, really nice car, so much better than a Brera.
1: Now, this whole podcast, we've sort of, we've dressed it up as you know a, a, a 10 grand sort of theoretical car buying exercise but actually andrew it's just been one very long advert for a car that you have for
0: sale <laughs> <laughs> i've forgotten all about it yes um get it while it's hot yeah um yeah well there you go um <laughs> yes some of you may be wondering why a five gti hasn't figured on this list yet um uh, yeah, so I'm not going to dwell on it because I I do, I do not want to hijack my own podcast to, uh, as a form of free advertising. But yeah, I, I, I have one. Some of you may know of it. It's been in various magazines for a while. Um, and, and and I'm uh, it will be up for sale on the Collecting Cars uh, website in the next week or two. And obviously it's going to go for massively more than £10,000 because it's such a wonderful car and it has, has such an <laughs> utterly heroic owner. Um, he said, yeah. He said, but... Uh, you can get a really nice two or five gti for 10 grand um and you know and having owned one for the last eight years and only selling it because i was looking through the MOTs. it's mot time and i was looking through the old certificates and i just saw how shockingly appallingly little i was using the thing and i've just yeah i've basically just disgraced myself into selling it because it's you know i'd just rather somebody else was enjoying it frankly um but if you are in a position to get out there and enjoy such a thing, I mean, you know, everything anybody ever says about those cars, as long as you get a good one, and good ones are hard to find. The thing about those cars is they don't rot. You know, you think 80s French hats, you'd think they'd, be, they'd all fall into bits by now. But actually, they're quite resistant to that sort of thing. So what that actually means is it's not difficult to tart one up. It's not difficult to make one look an awful lot nicer than it really is. So you know, you. I mean, I looked at in my mind's eye. I kind of think I looked at dozens. I probably didn't. I probably only looked at ten. But um, you know, the previous nine were all you know nicely presented wrecks. And but if you can if you, if you can find a good one, um, they're just. I mean, they are the greatest fast hatchback that's ever been built. Um, and I think having driven certainly most, if not all of them, um, you know, I've, there's nothing I've driven which pers- would persuade me to modify that view. So yeah. Even if you don't buy mine, <laughs> if, you, yeah, if, if, you, if you like the idea of that sort of thing. Uh, and I think, I think, um, and again, I sound like I'm, I'm, I'm advertising my own car. I really am not. I still think that, you know, although they have appreciated in recent years, I suspect that they've got further to go. Um, I, would, I would also, if you can, try and get one without a sunroof. Mine's got one because I couldn't find one without a sunroof. And anyway, yeah, they're fine with, but certainly as an investment, non-sunroof cars, uh, non-sunroof 1.9, pre-cat car um, is the one to go for, but you know, unless it's done a load of miles, you're going to struggle to find one of those for ten grand these days.
1: Well, there we go. We've had hot hatches, we've had coupes, we've had roadsters, um, we've had super saloons, we've had a couple of V12s in there. Um, I think that's quite compelling, isn't it? The, 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 the sort of breadth of stuff that you can pick up for ten thousand pounds is brilliant.
0: I mean, as long as you don't want a mid-engine supercar, um, they're really. You know, there, there, there's not a genre, I don't think, that 10 grand won't take you to. Um, there's not a kind of car, an example of which you couldn't buy if you had, you know, 10 grand in your pocket and, you know, <laughs> you'd you, taken some brave pills that morning. Um, and I think that's, you know, I think that's great.
1: Well, fantastic. There we go. Okay, well, thank you everybody for listening. Um, please remember to leave a comment, a, a little review for this podcast. That really does help. Subscribe as well. Tell your friends, tweet about it post about, about it on Instagram that, that would all be helpful um, and if you do want to bung us a little bit of money each month um, and in return you'll get some exclusive written content from uh, Andrew and me head over to patreon.com forward slash drive nation um, we'd be enormously grateful um, and keep listening we'll talk to you all again next week uh, and Andrew thank you very much
0: yeah, I've really enjoyed it really, I've really, really, uh, that's been a fun hour uh, I hope it was uh, half as entertaining to listen to as it was to um talk about so thank you one and all uh, we'll catch up with you next week the drive nation podcast with dan Prosser and andrew frankel hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter